What's up, everybody? Terrace Horton here, and I'll be going live for you in about 30 seconds. Good morning, everybody, and uh, hope you're having a great day and get ready for this weekend, this great Labor Day weekend, if you're going to be around here. Uh, we got the fireworks going on. You got the Campbell County Fair going on. You got a lot of stuff going on that uh, can keep you entertained over this Labor Day weekend. We got some beautiful weather. Speaking of weather, we're going to go in here to weatherbug.com and check out the depth, check out the the weather for the day. Today so far in Dayton, Kentucky, it's 59 degrees. The high is going to be 79 degrees with low humidity, uh, daily rain, no rain today. Uh, sunset, sunset's going to be at 8.07. I love sunsets. I love sunsets. Hourly. Find out what's going on over the 12. At 12 o'clock, 73 degrees. It's going to be 73 degrees today, and it's going to feel... The humidity is 50. It's not going to be a beautiful day. Beautiful, beautiful, sunny, 73 degree day. Going in here onto my phone to weatherbug.com app. Like I said I like to go into the weatherbug.com app. It does the same thing, and you can go in the hourly. And you can download the weatherbug.com app from your phone if you got an Apple or Android. It doesn't matter. Does not matter. Doesn't matter. What was I about to tell you? Oh, today we're going to be talking about cannabis. And the effects of cannabis has had a ripple effect. My programming, uh, as you cannot tell, the people that go back and watch this, it's to teach. You know, I use my platform for comedy, politics, music. But for the majority of the time, I'm trying to teach because I have a lot of friends on both sides of the spectrum. Yesterday, one of my friends asked me, they're like, so if this civil war goes on, whose side are you going to be on? I said, I'm going to be right in the middle negotiating for you clowns. You know what I'm saying? Because I got... Friends who are conservative, very conservative and Caucasian. And I got friends who are very liberal and who are white. And I got friends who are very liberal and who are black. And I got very friends who are black and, and conservative. So I can fit right there in the middle and I'll be negotiating for you clowns. Because if you after this episode where I talk about how they have, have this guy named Harry Anslinger, Harry Anslinger has taken cannabis and weaponized it against us and has been weaponized against blacks and poor whites for the past 90 to 100 years. They've used cannabis to, and this guy's hatred for black people that much. He hated black people and jazz music that much where he demonized marijuana to where it's got a long lasting effect. This happened in the 30s, 40s, 50s, and it's still rippling effect until today. People talk about racism and things like that. What we need to do as a society, in my opinion, is we need to root out and properly vet these legislators that we put in place. That's the way that we can eradicate racism. We're not going to get rid of racism getting mad at your buddy across the street for, for having a Confederate flag in his yard. That's not going to do anything to change racism. You're not going to change racism by supporting a black business that helps. You can come support my business all you want to. I take. I love white people money. I love black people money. I love all money. 
You but going and just supporting a black business and saying, hey, I support a black business. That's not going to end racism as a society until we can root out these legislators and lawmakers, these bank lenders, these homeowner lenders, these redliners, all these people who really are affecting us in racism. That's whenever we're, we can get rid of racism. Today, I'm going to go through this video about Harry Anslinger, and it's going to tell the story about what he did and the long-lasting ripple effects that he has had and his laws that he created. He created this whole war on drugs because he hated black people. Let that sink into you. This lawmaker, somebody who is in charge, and then he used the mainstream media to spread his lies and laws and hate. And then when you talk about, let's bring this into modern day, and you talk about, let's say Dr. Fauci. Let's say, let's say Dr. Fauci, 20, let's say 100 years from now, we say Dr. Fauci is wrong. And the reason why he did all this kind of stuff, I'm not saying it's true or not. I'm just new Dr. Fauci's name out there. Not to say if it's true or not, but I'm just using him as an example. Let's say this coronavirus thing is all propaganda. I've lost one of my, a couple of my best friends to coronavirus. Let's say this all propaganda. I'm not. I'm vaccinated. I'm fighting this thing as much as I can by socially distance. And, and, and when I'm in situations where I need to put a mask on, I'll put a mask on. I am not anti-coronavirus anymore. I never realized really with, but I'm not anymore. But I'm just saying just how hey, they can weaponize that just against you. It's the same way this guy, Harry Anslinger, weaponized marijuana. And we're going to go into the story of Harry Anslinger. We're going to watch it together, folks. And I'm going to stop and commentate and stuff like that. ...to be laid on many doorsteps, but the man most directly responsible for the federal ban on cannabis and the ferocious criminalization of marijuana possession is one Harry J. Anslinger. Anslinger was the head of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics from 1930 to 1962. And during that time, he concocted a strategy built on hypocrisy, racism, and sensationalist fear-mongering to demonize cannabis that resulted in the marijuana tax of 1937 and nearly 100 years of prejudice against pot smokers. But before we do that, be sure you subscribe to the Weird History channel and leave a comment below. You can below. subscribe if you want to. I'm going to leave that. The, I'm going to leave it in there the, in the in the bottom. Harry Anslinger, here's his story. Anslinger had been a longtime proponent of banning alcohol before he became the commissioner of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics in 1930, because he had apparently dedicated his life to preventing people from having any fun. However, he was a fun police, and I'm going to be stopping, I'm going to be talking about through this thing, because I'm going to explain this. Harry Anslinger was the fun police, you know, so he didn't want nobody drinking, he was a prohibition, but in, you got to think about this as an economic standpoint. Harry Anslinger wanted to take care of his family, so he needed a job. Anslinger believed alcohol to be far more harmful than cannabis, even going so far as to say that the idea that marijuana caused violent behavior to be an absurd fallacy. Remember that absurd fallacy line. It's going to be important later. Anslinger got his wish, and alcohol was prohibited in America for 13 years. But so Harry Anslinger, he was a... He was a prohibitionist. He was a prohibition. He didn't agree with alcohol. And so he fought it and demonized it until he got prohibition because he was he needed a job. And that was his job. He was a lobbyist, so, so to speak. So he's like, I don't want alcohol to be out there because alcohol is the devil. Weed is not the devil. So they had prohibition. And he is the reason why prohibition was and they had prohibition for 13 years. I'll get back in the story. 
His job focused so much on fighting alcohol, when Prohibition ended in 1933, his job was suddenly in jeopardy. He needed to target a new dangerous substance quickly to justify his paycheck, and he set his sights on cannabis. He set his, his, his sights on cannabis. At that point in the 1930s, it was well known that hard drugs like cocaine and heroin were much more dangerous than marijuana. So consequently, marijuana use was much more common. Ganslinger targeted pot for this exact reason, figuring that launching a crusade against a popular drug would create a never-ending budget for his Federal Bureau of Narcotics. This there it is. Did you hear what he just said? He said that if he thought that if he would, since weed was more popular, I'm going to stop and I'm going to explain this. Since weed was more popular... Harry Anslinger went after weed, even though he knew cocaine and hard drugs that were back in the 30s and 40s were more was more harmful for you. He targeted weed because weed was more popular and more popular within a certain group of individuals. So he targeted weed and he said, we're going to I'm going to target weed because I need to keep this Federal Bureau of Narcotics or uh, going instead of them dissolving and saying, OK, prohibition's over. Let's dissolve this thing. He's like, no, we're going to go after something else because it's a cash grab. It's a po political Cash grab. Go back into the story here. So the same as making people pay a higher fine for jaywalking than drunk driving because more people jaywalk, which is the exact opposite of how laws are supposed to work. Anslinger's strategy was so successful that he was able to remain head of the Bureau for three decades. Retiring in 1962, just before Bob Dylan and the Beatles showed up to really make his life difficult. And he said before Bob Dylan and the Beatles showed up to make his really life difficult. And look who Bob Dylan and the Beatles were. Both rock and roll singers. Both rock and roll singers. He don't want to deal with white people. He's going to demonize it toward blacks. Reefer Madness. You can watch the Reefer Madness. It's on. I think it's on Netflix. You can watch the story on Netflix. Reefer Madness and how he used Remember this. How we mentioned Anslinger denounced reports of marijuana causing violent behavior as being the very height of absurdity. Well, as soon as he targeted cannabis to be the infinite cash machine for the Federal Bureau of Narcotics, he sought out those very same reports in order to justify his crusade. Anslinger kept gore files filled with violent crimes he thought he could link to the use of cannabis, including one woman who committed suicide by jumping from an apartment balcony and a boy who murdered his entire family with an axe. Marijuana has never been scientifically linked to violent behavior, so the two incidents could have just as easily been blamed on whatever the people in question ate for dinner. Well, meatloaf always makes me ornery. Or, more likely, them having a mental illness. Seems like maybe a department dedicated to the research and treatment of mental illness would be more helpful than throwing people in jail for smoking pot. But, Harry, you do you. You, you do you. you. This is where the war on drugs first started. We got to go all the way back to Harry Anslinger. The war, he wanted to make sure. Trumped up stories about reefer madness aside, Anslinger was looking for scientific evidence to support his case for a cannabis ban. He was looking he for scientific evidence. Different doctors and asked for their medical opinion. Of those 30, 29 said that there was no link between marijuana and violent crimes. You can probably. So the scientist, he asked scientists, hey, I want you to find scientific evidence that links marijuana usage into to violent crimes and. 29 out of 30 came back and said, there's no evidence, but still. Guess what happened next? Anslinger heroically ignored every single medical testimony except the one dissenting opinion that supported his case, highlighting the most extreme claims. He later stated that anyone who challenged this viewpoint was treading on dangerous ground. What a buzzkill. 
also he wanted he he would he was supported by the corporations that were all anti him. They were like, okay, and this is where it gets. It's where you'll see where the media gets involved, and here's where it gets even more. This is where we need to worry about elected officials who we elect, folks, ladies and gentlemen. Anslinger wasn't leading the charge against cannabis by himself. Infamous publishing magnate, friend of the show, and possible war criminal, William Randolph Hearst. Went- William Randolph Hearst. When I was in college, this is one of the first people who we, we, I was a TV, radio, broadcast, communication major. One of the first lessons that we ever learned was about William Randolph Hearst, the father of media back in the 20s and 30s. He had, he owned everything. Slinger's crusade, a great deal of support, primarily to protect his interest in the timber industry. Hearst was pro-Rosebud, but not pro-Bud. He was afraid that hemp paper, which is made from cannabis, would compete with his paper products and take a cut out of his profits. As you might remember from previous episodes of Weird History, Hearst was not a man who valued competition. Hearst wasn't the only one worried that consumers would start writing their crunchy grooves out on hemp paper. The DuPont Corporation also supported Anslinger, fearing that hemp products would overtake their investment in nylon. Here's where it gets here's where it gets real, yeah, real, real. Why the official name of cannabis is marijuana? Yeah, I have. Well, Anslinger is behind that too. He helped popularize the term because he believed it would associate the drug with Mexican immigrants. This Mexican immigrants. He called it marijuana because he wanted he wanted to easily associate it with Mexican immigrants to say these Mexicans coming over here gonna bring their pot and they're gonna ruin our white women and children. Nakedly racist strategy played on the xenophobia people were feeling about the southern border. It was one of the many ways Anslinger used prejudice to frame cannabis as an invading force out to corrupt white America. Look at that. He's going to corrupt, corrupt, corrupt white America and white America's ways through life. And they called it marijuana and he used the media to do this. He used the mainstream media to do this. This is the oldest trick in the book. We keep falling for it. And it worked like a charm. Here's where he gets into Anslinger black people. was clearly not afraid to use racism to advance his campaign against marijuana. So you probably won't be too surprised to learn that he falsely branded cannabis use as an African-American problem. 1930s America was only too happy to agree with him, and his virulently racist rhetoric became one of the most effective tools in his arsenal. Anslinger. Whenever he used the racist, because you got to think of the 20s coming out of the roaring 20s, when black people were starting, we got out of slavery, we were starting to rebuild ourselves. We were starting to get going. This is right before the uh, like the twenties, the Roaring Twenties, Harlem Renaissance, Langston, Langston Hughes, Billy Holiday, the Cotton Club. Everybody black was getting together and dancing and, and creating new culture. This guy, Harry Anslinger, said, "No fun for black people. We're going to cut you out right here." Named it. African Americans made up only ten percent of the population, but sixty percent of the addicts. Stating that Reefer makes darkies think that they're as good as white men. Reefer makes darkies think that they're as good as white men. Keep in mind, this was coming from the head of a government public health organization. So The head of a government health organization. Come on now. Words did as much damage as possible. Anslinger's racism pockets were pretty deep, and he wasn't afraid to empty them out in his quest to brand marijuana as a threat to society. Another one of his repulsive strategies was to appeal to irrational racist fears that cannabis use would tempt white women into having sex with people of color. He would, marijuana would tempt white women into having sex with black men as if they need any more coaxing. Oh, we're going to give them some joints so they'll come sleep with us. I know what happened. Let me come out of here. I'll tell you about what happened with Harry Anslinger. I got a comment. (laughs) <laughs> he said a darkie. Keely said a darkie. I can tell you what happened. I can tell you exactly what happened. 
Harry Anslinger's wife went out with her girlfriends. She went out with her girlfriends and they went to the jazz club and they were listening to Dizzy Gillespie and Count Basie. And then she got all happy and they were passing around the wacky weed and she went home and he went to her. Harry went to his wife and was like, I need my eggs extra crispy today. And she's like, I'm not making your eggs. I've got to get ready to go down to the jazz club with my friends tonight. And then he's like, what? You going down there with them darkies? Um, and he's a powerful man. And he can't do nothing about it because once the once the jazz musicians do the oh, they do their thing back and then anyway, we're getting back into it. But that that's what happened. His old lady stepped out on him with the jazz musicians, so he attacked jazz musicians, Billy Holiday, all of them. Good lord. Claim that most cannabis users were Negroes, Hispanics, Filipinos, and entertainers. Played satanic music. This was considered a legitimate public health crisis in the 1930s. Yeah, so that happened. Partly fueled by it. he hated jazz music. Here's what I was talking about: jazz music. Why he hated it so much? Because we're because we we played if we smoke weed we played. Greed and racism. Another motivator behind Anslinger's campaign to ban marijuana seems to have been his hatred of jazz music. While most crotchety old men would be content to just make fun There's of his wife right there. The smooth sounds of their teeth grinding, Anslinger took it upon himself to try and eradicate jazz entirely. It's like a villain from Footloose. Anslinger unironically believed that weed gave jazz musicians actual superpowers. Argue. He said that weed gave black jazz musicians superpowers. Smoking pot allowed them to play at a furious speed, impossible for one in a normal state. Sorry. He said it was it was unnormal and gave we gave them like uh, Dizzy Gillespie. What do you like? Play. Sometimes you might have to understand that black people, some black people are just inherently more connected with rhythm and all that. It just happens, man. And this is the white supremacy that we need to fight right here. That's cocaine. I'm looking at you, Clapton. He routinely used his power and position to harass jazz musicians, even going as far as trying to coordinate multiple law enforcement agencies. He killed Billy Holiday. He's to arrest all musicians in violation of the marijuana laws on a single day. A plan that luckily never materialized. Ugh, thank Coltrane. Anslinger relied on extreme hyperbolic language to push his agenda, and his rhetoric only intensified as he got older. He once said, no one knows when he places a marijuana cigarette to his lips whether he will become a joyous reveler in a musical heaven, a mad insensate, a calm philosopher, or a murderer. Imagine partying with this guy. Hey, could we get Killjoy a fatty over here? Yeah. Some of his other greatest hits include suggesting that marijuana would scare Frankenstein's monster to death. That if you smoke pot, you'd likely end up murdering your brother. And that marijuana is the most violent causing drug in the history of mankind. Anybody know anybody that gets violent off pot? Zero scientific evidence. Zero. Most of the myths you've heard about marijuana can be traced directly back to Anslinger. So in a way, he's history's most successful hype man. Anslinger's role in creating the war on drugs is pretty clear, but he can also be credited with helping to create the prison industrial complex. Prison industrial complex system, hence locking black people up. Has led to the incarceration and exploitation of hundreds of thousands of people. Millions. Americans, a subject recently explored in the documentaries 13th and The House I Live In. Anslinger believed that drug addicts, including people who smoke pot, were beyond pity or treatment, stating that doctors cannot treat drug addicts even if they wish to. 
He claimed that the only way to keep people safe was to throw killer pushers into prison and throw away the key. Really, we should give smokers a Netflix subscription. Billy Holiday, this is what he did to Billy Holiday. Killed her. campaign against marijuana and jazz music collided with a single-minded persecution of jazz legend singer Billy Holiday. Holiday Killed struggled her. for years against drug and alcohol addiction, and Anslinger hounded her every chance he could. In a truly ghoulish final act of pettiness and hatred, Anslinger had Holiday arrested for possession as she lay dying in a hospital of liver and heart disease. Arrested, handcuffed, handcuffed to her bed by handcuffs in an armed police guard at her door. Before she died, Holiday said of Anslinger's crusade, imagine if the government chased sick people with diabetes, put a tax on insulin and drove it into the black market, told doctors they couldn't treat them, then sent them to jail. We do practically the same thing every day in a week to sick people hooked on drugs. Enforcement. Anslinger's anti-drug policies is best illustrated in how he treated white celebrities with drug problems. Exactly. When he learned that the Wizard of Oz star Judy Garland, Judy Garland. Was with a heroin addiction, he gave her some friendly advice on self-care before assuring her movie studio employers that she didn't have a problem. He somehow managed to do this without handcuffing her to a hospital bed. When he learned of the impending drug arrest of a prominent Washington socialite, Anslinger intervened and squashed it, arguing that it would destroy the unblemished reputation of one of the nation's most honored families. Evidently, one of the symptoms of being a tyrannical bigot is completely losing your sense of irony. Harry J. Anslinger strangely might be one of the most influential men of the 20th century, manufacturing the public animosity towards marijuana almost single-handedly with a campaign of greed, fear-mongering, and racism that we're still feeling the effects of today. And you can go back and you can watch that video sometime. It's on YouTube. I'll place a link in there. Garen says, you got to stop saying dark. <laughs> I'm not saying it. He said it. That dude said it. Uh, Keeley Kyrie comment. They said a part of hate will co will delete comment. They say the part of hate will delete the comment. Okay, here's the deal. Why is this relevant right now? Because everybody knows somebody who's been affected by the war on drugs, which started back in the 1930s with this Harry Anslinger dude who just did not like black people and was trying to prevent provide for his family by creating this war on drugs in the 30s and 40s, and this guy stayed in power until the 60s, and he got out of power, and, and you see how he did? He killed, he handcuffed Billie Holiday, great Billie Holiday, to her hospital bed while she was going through withdrawal from heroin because she said he said addicts can't be helped, but then when Julie Garland, the lady from Wizards of Oz, he said she could be helped. Let's fast forward this to now. I'm talking about the reason why I'm having this programming because I don't smoke weed. I don't smoke weed. I know a lot of people who do smoke weed, and I don't care if anybody smokes weed. I think that weed is good for you. I think weed is way better for you than alcohol. People who smoke weed are not violent. You're more violent on alcohol. But let's fast forward till now. Whenever the opioid addiction happened, now they're changing their tuning because when the crack epidemic happened in the 80s and 90s, they were taking black people the same thing and locking them away in prison. It started with the marijuana saying demonizing marijuana and saying marijuana is bad. And if black if white women get around these darkies that are smoking pot, these darkies are going to sleep with our white women. And it's going to speed up, you gent, speed up the darkening and browning of America. Even Joe Biden said it the, not too long ago. In 2040, white Europeans are going to be the minority. That being said, we need to change these white European laws that were put in place by people like Harry Anslinger, who, who clearly, clearly, clearly have outdated themselves. 
I don't know too many people that have not used marijuana. And we can all be safe to agree to say that marijuana is not a, 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 a chemical or a weed, a natural plant that makes you more acceptable to drugs. Brandy's got a long statement. I'm going to get into Brandy's. Uh, Brandy, she, she wrote something. She always writes something long. I got to wait because uh, I. Uh, so what we need to do now is we need to make sure that we are electing officials that understand how we're going to end racism if we don't get to the root of it. It's bigger then not and then bigger than saying and then, then your toothless friend that carries around a Confederate flag. It's bigger. It goes into the laws that are created. I know a friend of mine who had a very promising career. He was going into college and he got busted with a roach. This is back in the 90s. He had busted with a roach in his car. A roach. Look, smoke a little pot, put it out, put the roach in. A police saw a roach in his car. He got dinged and lost his scholarship to college because of a weed charge and could not qualify for financial aid because he had a drug charge. Completely changed his life. These are ridiculous things. These are ridiculous things that we need to address. And when we're sending lawmakers in to write legislation for us, we need to make sure that they're pro-cannabis and their anti-industrial complex system. I know the industrial complex system, it definitely employs people. But what, what's more important, a, a percentage, a small percentage of people being employed or a larger percentage of African-American men that are affected, that are taken completely out of the, the system of, of this great American system where you're supposed to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I'm going to get in here. Brandy's got a long statement. I'm going to put my glasses on, Brandy. I'm going to try to read this. I tell you I don't read very well, especially long stuff like this, but Brandy's always got something very good to say. We won't end all racing in the heart ever, but what we can what we can do, you have said, and do your research when putting people into office affects power races have. Yes, you can bet there's always going to be an abundant amount of pandering and propaganda in order to earn trust, gain wealth, and obtain votes. Yes, politicians will continue to target certain groups. Just we just have to be smarter. And for me, prayfully, prayful, prayful when you're voting. Good morning. Good morning to you, Brandy. Love you, and thanks for your comment. Garen Martin, if everyone knew how many cough, cough, important people smoke, their chin would hit the floor. Garen, you ain't never lied. I know doctors, attorneys, city councilmen, congressmen. I know the majority of people who I know smoke pot. I quit smoking pot when I, I quit smoking pot. The last time I smoked pot was June uh, 2020, something like that. It's June 2020. And I don't smoke pot no more. One of my friends was like, and this is a funny story. It's a true story, but it's a funny story. We were getting into it when I first quit drinking and I quit drinking and I quit drinking. And you know, everybody knows I quit drinking, quit smoking cigarettes, all that kind of stuff. It's been like three years. Congratulations, pat on the back, blah, blah, blah. And this dude, he got mad at me and he's like, because his girlfriend told him, he's like, why don't you quit drinking like Terrace did? And then he got mad at me and he was like, and he was on the phone with me. He's like, he's like, you act like you're all high and mighty. You act like you're this and you're that and you still smoke weed. And we were going at it. I looked at him. I said, look here, MFR. I don't smoke weed. I eat it. <laughs> I told him I eat it. I said, I don't smoke that crap. I don't put that stuff in my body. I eat it because I don't see anything wrong with medical Medically prescribed marijuana. 
I'm going to take it a step further. I don't see anything wrong with recreational marijuana use. I don't see anything wrong if somebody wants to take cocaine and stick it up their nose or stick. You deal with what you want to deal with. You do what you do. Let's fast forward to right now in this in this in this society right now when the opioid epidemic came really, really popular and it affected the white community. More, the crack epidemic affected the black community. So what did they do? Lock people up, lock people up for, for possession of crack. Joe Biden was like, if you got a crack or you're a menace to society, we're going to lock you up. How many black people, you know, were affected by crack cocaine and the war on drugs in the 90s? that affect a ripple effect, take fathers out of the home. But then when the opioid epidemic happens, epidemic, opioid epidemic happens and it affects white people, what do they do? You see these methadone clinics pop up everywhere because they want to help when it comes to certain communities. You want to end racism? We want to end racism. We're going to have to end racism, not just in our heart. We got to end it in legislation because it's legislated in the in the police officers are there to uphold the law that these racist legislators that we put in office get in there. We have to make sure on our local level. We are not putting any racists into office. That's the only way we're going to end racism. This is my time today. Terrace Horton, the most interesting man in the Commonwealth in Kentucky. I'm going to keep bringing you very, very interesting off the cuff stuff, the topics you're not going to see on mainstream media that's going to invoke thought. It's going to make you think. It's going to make you think and you're going to look at your brother a little bit different after this programming. After if you sit and you watch this programming for at least another for another six months to a year, you're going to you're going to see something from a different perspective. I love every last one of you guys. Have a good weekend. Weather's supposed to be amazing. You're going down to the fireworks. Take care. Be careful. If you're going to Campbell County Fair out there, be careful out there. There's going to be people walking on the side of the road. You don't want to hit nobody. Everybody, uh, take care. God bless you guys. I appreciate everybody for rocking with me. My TikTok has blown up. If you haven't been on TikTok and you haven't seen my TikTok, you're really missing out. I got like 10,000 plus views on I mean, come on, man. Let's get it. Peace out, guys.